Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello, welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, now part of Booking Sports. Booking Sports does an absolutely superb job of giving you an app that allows you to be able to track all of your action. But more importantly than that, you're able to engage with others in a fun, friendly environment by posting up photos and videos as to everything that you've got going on for the day. You're also able to just take a look at what the community in general is betting on. It is an absolutely tremendous place to be able to go and have just a non-toxic fun environment in which is centered around betting. So that is absolutely tremendous, and it is always tremendous to get Jason Radowitz on this podcast. In the second segment, we're going to be looking at some of the games that are going to be going down on this lovely Thursday, what he's all noticed from the season in general, and he'll give a good message of staying calm if things are going either great or terrible for you this baseball season. So we're going to have that chat in the second segment. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys a sign total on every game on the Thursday MLB betting board as we touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast and you've got one of two ways we will fire those in. My Twitter timeline at JaronSquarty1 is one. Keep in mind those letters DM. They mean does not matter. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it very much is appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. And we did wind up getting in one question today, so let's dive in. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. I know that many of you guys were asking how I wind up taking a look at how many runs a pitcher gives up and things of this nature, and it just flat out is runs given up for nine innings and ERA, which is how you wind up gauging how many runs a pitcher has given up so far this year. Now, there is fielding independent, there is Sierra, but that's an indicator of how many runs a guy probably should have given up, not how many runs he actually did give up and how many of those were earned. Now, that does factor into my handicapping, though, because you'll notice every time we have a Dylan C start on this podcast, I talk about, oh, he's got a four ERA for his career, but his fielding independent is like six. So I do talk about regression coming in, and that does layer in with my handicapping as well. But when you take a look at just the amount of runs that a person has given up and the amount of runs that they've given up only, you use ERA and runs allowed per nine innings. So that is the way that I wind up gauging that. And then from there, 
you go into the advanced analytics, you can't project something that just is not there because it would be unfair to be like, oh, on average, Gonzaga scores like 90 points in this college basketball game. Even though they only scored 75, you don't give them credit for the 90 because they wound up getting unlucky with shots. Same goes for Major League Baseball pitchers. So that is the way that I wind up gauging that. I do wind up taking into account advanced analytics, but it sort of is one of those things where the numbers are what they are as of now, and then you anticipate the progression regression, what have you. So hopefully that clears that up. I always appreciate the interaction. Now let's take a look back at what was a very fascinating Wednesday of MLB baseball. I actually tried to find some trends and tried to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Mr. Carlos Rodon winds up pitching a no-hitter and very nearly a perfect game for the Chicago White Sox as they wind up blinking the Cleveland Indians by a count of 8-0. to zero. He had a perfect game going into the ninth inning. There was a hit by pitch, and then from there, the Cleveland Indians were unable to do anything with it. Absolutely tremendous performance by Mr. Rodon. Nine innings pitch, seven punch outs. The lone real mishap that he wound up having was that hit by pitch. And for the Chicago White Sox, they did all their damage early. You had Yemen Mercedes wind up getting his third home run of the campaign. He was tremendous as the White Sox get six runs in the first, two runs in the third, and then from there, you wound up having nothing else. If you had this total of eight over, that's a little bit of a tough beat for you as you take a look at the Cleveland Indians and what they got out of their pitching staff. Zach Plesak was not long for this game. He gave up that Mercedes home run. Recorded two outs, gave up six runs, all of which were earned. Then from there, you wind up getting two innings with two runs given up by Trevor Steven. I will say, everyone else from there was pretty solid. Cal Quantrill, two scoreless innings. Phil Maton was able to get four outs. Oliver Perez, a scoreless inning. Brian Shaw, a scoreless inning. So, some encouraging signs there, but certainly Mr. Rodon was on his game in this one. The underdogs were barking and barking loudly on Wednesday as well. The Miami Marlins were able to take down the Bravos of Atlanta by a count of 6-5. of five. How about for Miami being able to get a whole lot out of the back end of the bullpen? Dylan Floro, John Curtis with two S's at the end of it, along with Yimi Garcia were able to come in. They were able to hold it down in the 8th, ninth, and 10th inning as this one went to extras. Nick Neidert winds up going four and two-thirds innings. Gives up three runs in the process. And for the Miami Marlins, give them credit for being able to hold on. They got up by a count of 5-0. to zero. They wind up blowing the lead, but they wind up being able to bounce back and get the win. Jace Chislam able to get his second home run the campaign for the Miami Marlins and for the Atlanta Braves. This is a bunch that they haven't necessarily been able to get a lot of their players firing all cylinders. Freddie Freeman, Marcel Ozuna, Ozzy Albies, Danzy Swanson, Austin Riley, Ender Anciarte. What do these guys all have in common? All in a 215 or lower. Ronald Acuna Jr., he's been tremendous. Fifth and sixth home runs of the campaign. He's hitting a 447. He needs a little bit of help from his friends and Charlie Morton. Not necessarily looking too comfortable in Atlanta right now. Five runs given up over the course of six innings. I will say from there, bullpen was terrific. Sean Newcomb, Luke Jackson, Will Smith all go scoreless. And then Tyler Madzik, he gives up a run, but that was the gentleman that winds up starting on second base and extra innings. So there was that aspect of it. Had a pair of five to ones out there as well. The Mets wind up taking down the Phillies by a count of five to one, and the Rangers take down the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of five to one. For the Rays, they just weren't able to be able to hit Koei Iwahara. How about him? Five and two-thirds innings. He winds up giving up three hits, no runs. He was terrific. Lone run that was given up was by Kyle Cody out of the bullpen as he went two and a third innings. And for the Texas Rangers, Nate Lowe was able to get low with his fourth home run of the campaign. He started out the year with like 14 RBI in the team's first six games. Cooled off from there, but that was a good sign as in this one. It was Josh Fleming who took the loss for the Tampa Bay Rays. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. He was fine. Chris Mazza. He was not good with the Red Sox. He's not good with the Rays. Now he's an 11.74 ERA. He gives up four runs over the course of three innings. That was not necessarily too stellar. And for the Rays, they just weren't able to get a whole lot of offense generated. And then you take a look at what you were able to get out of the New York Metropolitans. They were able to get a 5-1 win over the Philadelphia Phillies. For the Phillies, they wind up just not being able to generate a lot of offense outside of a Gene Segura home run. That came off of David Peterson. No relation. As he wound up having a terrific start. Gives up that solo home run and nothing else. 10 punch outs over the course of six innings. Then from there. Jurisic Familia, typically Spanish for blown safe. Well, he only recorded one out, so he wasn't in there long enough to be able to blow a safe. Aaron Loop, one and two-thirds innings of scoreless baseball, and then Edwin Diaz is able to close the door, and James McCann is able to get his first home run as a New York Met, his first of the campaign, and then for the Mets, they actually wound up leaving 10 men on base, so if you wound up having that total over, a little bit unlucky there, but if you had the over in Tigers versus Astros, that got there, and for the Astros, they wind up just getting shellacked in this one by a count of 6-4. of For the Astros, they wind up having quite a few guys go on the injured list prior to this game. Jose Altuve is someone that is on the injured 
injured list. I believe that this is all due to COVID-related stuff. You've got Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Martin Maldonado on that list as well. But for the Astros, they were still able to generate a little bit of offense as you were able to get Jason Castro going for his second home run the campaign. He looked very solid in this one. And for the Astros, they had their opportunities, but they wound up leaving 10 men on base. And for the Detroit Tigers, how about Michael Fulmer giving a good start? He winds up giving up two runs over the course of five innings. Looked very good out of the bullpen. And then from there, Daniel Norris gives up a run. He's out rocking at 11.57 ERA. And then you had Jose Cicerno give up a run out of the bullpen as well. But for the Tigres, they wind up going just 4 of 16 with men in scoring position, but they were able to play a little bit of small ball as Lance McCullers Jr. winds up giving up all six runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings. From there, Brandon Belak, two and a third innings out of the bullpen. He looks solid. Ryan Stanek, Brooks Rayleigh, Ryan Presley, they were able to do their part, but damage already been done. And the Tigers wind up sweeping the Houston Astros in Houston and Right now, and this was posted up by my buddy David Sell, a.k.a. David Demand 2. Right now, the most wins by a manager at Minute Maid Park this year, A.J. Inch. Familiar name, not necessarily the team that you'd typically associate him with. You typically don't associate the San Diego Padres with losing as a big favorite, but that's what happened. 5-1 to one, the final in this one. Gregory Polanco is off to a little bit of a rough start to this year once again, but he winds up going up against his former teammate Joe Musgrove, and he's able to get his first home run the campaign for Musgrove, following up his no-hitter and his first return back to Pittsburgh since he wound up being dealt in the offseason. He gives up just that one solo home run, and he takes a loss, so a little bit of a tough go of it, there is. He now has a .47 ERA from their piece. Johnson winds up giving up a run out of the bullpen. It was really Austin Adams that wound up lighting fire to this game. Give up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. And then for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they actually squandered a lot of opportunities. 3-15 with men in scoring position, leaving 10 on base. But Tyler Anderson, very solid in this one. Five and a third innings, gives up one run. From there, Dwayne Underwood Jr., Sam Howard, and Chris Stratton is able to hold it down. And for the Padres, this is an offense that they have not necessarily been able to generate a lot. They've actually got a solid team batting average. Going into yesterday, 254 batting average, 354 on base. They're just not generating a lot of runs in general. I think that it's very intriguing that this is a bunch that they're giving you right around 3.9-ish runs per game. So that has been a little bit befuddling. It's a little bit befuddling that the Boston Red Sox, after such a bad start to the year, have been able to pick it up. They are now on a nine-game win streak. 7-1, they wind up taking game two of the doubleheader. We'll get to game one in a second, but Eduardo Rodriguez winds up giving up one run over the course of five innings, and then from there, Garrett Whitlock and Eduardo Bizzardo were able to give you a scoreless inning, and for the Boston Red Sox, they were able to do pretty much all their damage in the fifth inning, putting up a six spot as they were able to get an Alex Verdugo home run late off of Caleb Theobar, his second of the campaign, and Jose Barrios, someone that's typically very good at home, he just wound up melting down in that inning. He gives up four runs over the course of four and a third innings. Ty Duffy couldn't stop the bleeding. He winds up giving up two runs in a third of an inning and then killed Theobar. Winds up giving up that solo run going two and a third innings himself. And then if you take a look at game one, the Red Sox were able to hit for a 3-2 win. And this one as they got a great start out of Nathan Eovaldi. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Darwinzer Hernandez along with Matt Barnes were able to close the door from there. And for the Red Sox, they strained 12 men on base in a seven-inning game. So that tells you how many scoring opportunities they had as Minnesota was playing with fire throughout Kenta Maeda. Gives up three runs, two of which were over the course of four and a third innings, though. The unearned run was due to his error. I don't understand why the pitcher commits the error, and it's still an unearned run to them. It's something I will never understand, but with that said, I digress. From there, Cody Sashek was able to give you two outs, and then you were able to get two solid innings out of Brandon Waddell, but very, very lucky that more damage was not done. As for the Minnesota Twins, they were giving Byron Buxton a little bit of a break on this day, along with Andrelton Simmons, but they wind up going just one of nine with runners in scoring position in that one. The New York Post play of the day, the under in the Royals versus the Angels game winds up hitting as the Royals get a 6-1 win. For the Angels, Griffin Canning did not give a bad start. Two runs given up over the course of five innings. He did allow a home run. That was it by Mr. Salvador Perez, his third home run of the campaign, and then Carlos Santana winds up going deep off of Tony Watson. That was his second home run of the campaign for Watson. He does wind up giving up that run in a third of an inning. He did wind up giving up two runs with Chris Rodriguez on the bullpen in one and two-thirds innings, and then you wind up having an unearned run allowed by Ben Rowan, but for the LA Angels, 0-9 with runners in scoring position, just could not get anything generated as Brad Keller, someone who wound up having a 0.270 ERA at home. You got Sheldon his first start, looked more like the old Brad Keller in this one. Five and two-thirds innings, he gives up one run. Jake Stamount winds up going two innings of scoreless baseball. You also had Jake Brents, who winds up giving up nothing in his appearance. And then Tyler Zuber was able to close things out to be able to lock down that under. For the Giants, their bullpen has been absolutely tremendous, and they're pitching in 
general, at home, right around a 1-7-ish ERA. 3-0, they wind up taking down the Cincinnati Reds. For the Reds, Tyler Molly, a tough look loser. He winds up giving up one run over the course of five innings. You had Sal Romano give up a run as well in two innings. And for Tyler Molly, there also was an unearned run that was charged to him as well. But you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. They just did a great job of holding down the Reds, who could only muster four hits in this one. Johnny Cueto, the former Red, five and two-thirds innings of scoreless baseball. And then from there, Logan Webb, who was a starter, is now coming out of the bullpen. Tyler Rogers, Jake McGee, I'll give you a scoreless inning. And Caleb Barger was able to stem the tide as well. You were able to stem the tide if you were the Washington Nationals as they get a 6-0 win over the St. Louis Cardinals. For the Cardinals, it looks like Adam Wainwright is a little bit washed up. He winds up giving up four runs, three votes were earned over the course of five innings. From there, Jordan Nix gives up a run along Giovanni Gallegos, but for the Cardinals, nothing going on offense. And for Joe Ross, someone who wound up missing the 2020 season, it looks like he could be a very solid starter as a number three guy for the Washington Nationals. Six scoreless settings in this one. And then from there, the revamped Washington Nationals bullpen was not so bad. Austin Voth, a scoreless ending. Wander, I swear this guy sucks. He did not suck in this one. A scoreless ending. Sam Clay, Lontana Rainey, they were both able to combine for an ending as well. And Ryan Zimmerman is looking like he's found the fountain of youth. Hitting a 346 gets his first home run of the campaign. The Milwaukee Brewers look very solid against a struggling Chicago Cubs team, 7-0. I believe that the Cubs, with regards to units, one slash loss is the least profitable team in baseball right now. Jake Arrieta looks solid in his first couple starts back with Chicago. Not so much in this one. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. Going deep for the Brewers. Travis Shaw, who has actually been one of their best hitters so far this year, is sort of the campaign. Now, Christian Yelich was out once again in this one, but you were able to get some offense if you were the Brewers. Two of nine with runners in scoring position, but still a nice little display of power as Corbin Boones did not need a lot of support, but he was able to do a good job with it. Ten punch-outs, six scoreless innings. He now has a 0.49 ERA, and Josh Limblum is out coming out of the bullpen. Two scoreless innings for him, and I will say for the Cubs, bullpen has been relatively solid this season, but they brought in Shelby Miller. Yes, that Shelby Miller for relief. He records zero outs, and he gives up four runs. His ERA is an infinity. That's just so Shelby Miller right there. You want no part of this guy whenever he winds up entering into the game. I mean, the last time this guy pitched was during the 2019 season with the Texas Rangers. He wound up starting eight games, 19 total appearance, 859 ERA. I mean, talk about a busto-rama. I remember when he wound up getting traded to the Arizona Diamondbacks in that Dansby Swanson trade. My goodness, if you just see Shelby Miller coming into a game for the Chicago Cubs, just bet the other side live. I don't care what it is. He is that terrible, so... Good to see that he still stinks, but speaking of stinking, that's what the Yankees are doing. They're now 5-7. and seven. They wind up losing to the Dunedin, a.k.a. Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 5-4. to four. In this one, Aaron Judge, he was able to show his might. He hits two home runs off of TJ Zeech, his third and fourth of the campaign for Mr. Zeech. He gives up four runs over the course of four innings. How about the bullpen, though? Trent Thornton was able to give you two scoreless innings, along with Anthony Castro, and then Rafael Dolis was able to get the win, and for the Blue Jays, this is a team that they're dealing with a couple guys, including Julian Merriweather on the injured list, and for the Blue Jays, they go 0 of 10 with runners in scoring position, but it doesn't matter when you wind up getting Bo Bichette going for two home runs and Alejandro Kirk for a home run himself. Corey Kluber, he's just not looking like himself. He gives up two of those home runs. Three runs given up over the course of four innings. And a solid bullpen of the New York Yankees was unable to hold up as it was Chad Green who winds up giving up a home run late in this one. And Jonathan Loizaga winds up giving up one run over the course of two innings as the walk-off was hit by our man Bo Bichette. So he was able to get the job done there. And speaking of being able to get the job done, that is exactly what underdogs are are doing in baseball right now. I tweeted out that favorites not named the LA Dodgers were hitting at a clip of less than 50%. Well, it's exactly 50% if you include the LA Dodgers. Favorites, 86 and 86 so far. If you're looking at home teams, well, not much of an advantage here. Straight up, this is just being able to win the game, win the game only on the money line. 88 and 86, the LA Dodgers were able to get the job done against the Colorado Rockies yesterday, so there was that aspect of it. But man, if you're really taking a look at the run line, home favorites right now, 38 and 66. And if you're taking a look at away favorites on the run line as well, they're not doing a whole heck of a lot better. They are 29 and 41. So taking the run in half right now has been your friend. Underdogs overall on the run line, 106. 
7 and 67. So the underdogs are certainly barking in Major League Baseball. I mean, it is one of the best underdog sports out there in baseball. I certainly think that we're going to see a little bit of regression from this as well. But with that said, there's never any regression with our good buddy Jason Reitowitz. He is always firing and all cylinders coming up next. We're going to be chatting with him about all the games that we are going to be seeing on this Thursday. We're going to be chatting with him about if your season is going great or terrible in Major League Baseball, just stay calm as well. That is on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, now part of my book at school. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, now part of my book at sports, book at sports, doing an absolutely amazing job giving you an app that allows you to track all of your action. But more importantly than that, you're able to engage with others in a very fun and friendly environment, and you're able to follow all that they do at Book at HQ. And you're able to follow our next guest at his Twitter feed at Jason underscore Radowitz. That is R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z on the last name. He does absolutely terrific work. Doing some work with SBR, a sports Sportsbook Review. He also does some work with Doc Sports. The list goes on and on. I know he's been doing some work with Level Up Betting as well. And Jason, you do an absolutely tremendous job handicapping a little bit of everything, especially Major League Baseball this time of year, and always appreciate it. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, baseball season's here. It's a long season. We can't lose our focus with that because we want to get down on bad days, get high on good days. It's a long, long season, just a grind, and that's what we're doing right now. Absolutely. It is a grind, but you always have to appreciate the end goal of being able to make a whole bunch of money. And first things first, when it comes to teams over the first couple weeks of the season that you've liked slash disliked what you've seen out of them, are there a couple that come to mind? Because I can tell you for myself, the Chicago Cubs, who wound up getting shut out yesterday against the Milwaukee Brewers. They're looking like a little bit of a fade to me, but have there been any teams that you're seeing that you're seeing anything to the positive slash to the negative that maybe you weren't expecting coming into the year? Yeah, you know, I'm obviously disappointed in the Yankees. The Athletics have been a disappointment a little bit. There's a lot of teams, but again, it's early in the season and it's hard to get mad at anyone or any team. You can't get crazy. You know, the Mets started off really poorly. Now they're looking a lot better right now. There's teams like the Indians who are 6-4. and four. Most people thought that they would be towards the bottom of that division with the White Sox and Twins above them. That's an interesting one. The Rays are not doing too well either. They're below 500. That's pretty interesting. So yeah, there's a lot going on, but of course, a long, long season ahead. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely, and you have to be impressed by the Giants pitching as well, being able to pitch a shutout against the Cincinnati Reds, which was a little bit surprising to me. And what else has been a little bit surprising is the fact that Bridge Hill is still in the league. You mentioned the Tampa Bay race and the fact that they're below 500. As I'm seeing right now, they're right around between minus 170 and minus 180 favorites against the Texas Rangers with a total in this game, ranging between 8 and 8.5. I'm not sure if you've got any thoughts on this one with Jordan Lyles going on the mound for the Texas Rangers, but if there's one favorite that I'm not looking to back, it's laying a big price here with Rich Hill just because you know that you're going to have that bullpen that is going to be pretty rock solid for this Rays team. But at this point in his career, Rich Hill is a guy that I just find to be very unreliable. Yeah, you know, he's going up against Jordan Lyles, who's on the Texas Rangers. Last year, he was so bad that they had to get him different starters, openers, and whatnot to get him going. Obviously, this year, he's been a little bit better. But looking back to last year, it's like, you know, he uh, he struggled a lot. So that game's going to be really difficult. Both teams really don't have the best offenses. But both these pitchers are fantastic, although Lyles has been better this year. You know, I'm not ready to say, yeah, he's good. They're both really, really bad offenses. I already hit the under 4.5 on the first five in the first game of that series with Glasnow on the mound against Dunning, and it was 0-0 going to like the seventh inning. No sweat cash. Yeah, you can never complain about having an under and having no run score because, well, you can't lose your bet that way, as we do have Jason Ryder with joining me on the podcast. And Jason, it always is intriguing whenever you get these seven-inning doubleheaders because – I do think that it is risky business taking an under in a lot of these. And we're going to have another one between the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles as their game wound up getting rained out yesterday. So you've got a little bit of that going on. It looks like you're going to have the traditional starters that we were expecting from game number one. And then in game number two, you probably are going to be having Marco Gonzalez along with 
Bruce Zimmerman. Now, this is a lot of subject to change, so I'm going to be taking a look at that and just gauging what we're all going to be getting with that in general. But how do you approach seven inning doubleheaders in general? As we've seen one pretty much every day this weekend, it does seem like these are just their own breed to handicap because I know that many people try to compare them to a first five, but in your first five, but you don't have the potential of having a man starting on second base if it winds up being tied after that allotted amount of time. Yeah, look, I had that Orioles-Mariners game over nine yesterday and it obviously got rained out so kind of bummed on that i had that as one of my official plays right now i'm looking it looks like marco gonzalez will face harvey and then dunn bases zimmerman i was hoping dunn would face harvey because of course i had the over on that game and i probably would have hit it again although i really don't like betting double headers at all because you just don't know who will be in the lineup in these uh, games and when the offenses will surge and when they'll fall apart because it always happens in double headers with one game or the other. So would have been a great game to bet on, the Dunn versus Harvey. Looks like we might not get that, or we might. Uh, depends on, you know, what we're seeing, if it's going to be change or what whatnot. But uh, I was looking forward to that game. I was too. I was looking forward to taking it over in a Matt Harvey start because, well, those have been quite profitable the last few years, as we do have Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast. And Jason, when it comes to betting on Jacob deGrom, I always find this to be very intriguing because it feels like every single time Jacob deGrom takes a mound, he always gives it his best. You were talking about the Mets picking it up a little bit. It feels like the offense is just allergic to giving him runs and all the runs that they don't wind up giving to Mr. deGrom, they wind up giving to pretty much everyone else that winds up pitching that week. I'm not sure what it is, but he seems to have a little bit of a hex on him as I'm seeing it right now. Mets are between a minus 220 and minus 225 favorite. Do you have any thoughts on this one just because I do find it to be so baffling that DeGrom can go out there night in and night out, give everything that he does, but at the same time, never get any run support. Yeah, that is why you do not bet the Mets minus 200, minus 225 (laughs) with DeGrom on the mound. But I will say this, betting DeGrom on the first five has been a money play because he usually goes five innings at least and, of course, allows minimal runs. And sometimes the Mets can put up a run or two for him in the first five, and then somehow it's either the bullpen that ruins it or it's the hitting that ruins it. Definitely the Mets in the first five is usually the play when DeGrom is on the mound, but do not look at betting minus 225 or anywhere close to that when DeGrom is on the mound for the Mets because they really don't put up runs for him. I agree with you. This is either look at the run line of the New York Mets to be able to reduce the juice for me or look at the underdog, which I'm most likely going to be doing with Philadelphia Phillies and pray that Zach Cufflin does not wind up being Zach Eflin awful. As we do have our good buddy Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast. And Jason, something else I find to be very intriguing is some of these guys that wound up being banged up last season and have come back. We've noticed with Merrill Kelly, he was actually very solid in the limited amount of starts that he had last season. So far this year, he's come back and he's not been the same guy over the course of 10 innings as right around an 8-10 ERA. Just as that looks like himself, does not hurt. Does not help that you've got Quitello Marte currently on the injured list, so he's not getting a lot of run support either. And then you take a look at a guy in Patrick Corbin. Why is he coming off the injured list? First start of the year, you get the LA Dodgers, and that's always a fun task. He winds up getting shelled, and now these two are doing battle with a total right in the neighborhood of eight and a half to nine out there in Washington. And I think that this is so intriguing because with Washington, we know that they wind up coming off of their COVID pause. They wind up getting all their bats, all of their bullpen pieces back the fold and I do feel like there might still be some value here with the Washington Nationals because with the way that they wound up starting out the year I feel like a lot of people viewed them as a fade and they've yet to adjust to the fact that all the pieces are now back for the Nationals and as a result we saw them look much better in that series against the Cardinals. Yeah I like the Nationals in this spot yeah Corbin didn't look good in his first start but going up against these Diamondbacks will definitely help him a little bit here. Errol Kelly has not looked uh, great this season and I uh, don't expect him to look any better going up against the Nationals on the road. The Nationals are starting to get healthy again, away from all that COVID drama. That will help their offense start to kind of click. It might not click in this game, but it's going to click eventually. They do have a solid lineup that should produce when things start to click. I agree with you. And Jason, something else that we've noticed this MOB season in general is that we've been noticing a nice run on unders. Going into yesterday, unders were hitting at about a 53% clip. I think that we could attribute this to a couple different things. No question, the weather being a little bit different from last year has something to do with it, as we recall. 
games wound up starting up in July and August last season. So you had humidity right away. Now when you're playing games out there in the Northeast and Midwest part of the country, you are getting it a little bit colder, but the ball has been dejuiced a little bit. I do think that there is a little bit of a difference in the way that the ball is flying, at least from my vantage point and the way that I've been viewing games. I'm not sure about you, but have you seen a little bit more of a premium on under so far this season? Yeah. And you know, I'm a big guy in under 4.5s in the first five. So I would rather take those first five bets because the bullpens and all that kind of stuff that could take place in a game late. When I handicap games, I want to look at the starting pitchers. I can't guess who's going to be in the bullpen pitching. So I stick to just the first fives. I know I'm going to have the starters. And if the starter gets taken out early, then he just had a bad game. And it was, you know, either I bet it or I didn't. But I don't have to worry about the bullpens for the most part. We have been seeing some just little bit of adjustments in general with regards to all of this. And then it needs to be brought up. The fact that you don't have the universal DH anymore as it's only in the American League at this point. That no question. I feel like it's had a little bit of an effect on scoring. Just as the Chicago Cubs says, we do have Jason Ryder with joining me on the podcast. And Jason, when you take a look at everything that we do have for Thursday, is there anything else that's really standing out that maybe we have not addressed? Because I know that you're a guy that you look at a wide variety of different things. You look at a couple team totals. You'll occasionally throw out there a strikeout prop. List goes on and on. You go more deep than just the basic side in total. So is there anything that's really standing out to you for Thursday? Well, outside of the outside of DeGrom, it looks like a lot of, you know, mid-tier pitchers are pitching. So talked about that under. Well, maybe we got some over games going to this late. I've seen a lot of different pitchers that can definitely allow some runs. But the Indians, White Sox, this is going to be a great series. Now you have Savali against Lance Lynn. Indians versus White Sox, and you got to love, you know, divisional baseball. It's going to be really fun, that game. I think it could be more a pitcher's duel, but the White Sox, maybe their offense is starting start to get going a little bit, so we'll have to see what happens there. I agree. I do think that the White Sox offense has a chance to be able to get going a little bit more. I'm going to be taking a look at this total under personally, but a man that you should never be t- wanting to take a look at the under on because he always overachieves. He always delivers a whole heck of a lot of something. That'd be you, Jason. You do absolutely terrific work handicapping everything from the MLB. I know that you've gone to some of the Asian countries with regards to baseball as well, looking at things like the KBO and what have you. You've done a great job there. You take a look at college football. You take a look at the NBA. The list goes on and on. You handicap a little bit of everything, and you do so also well. So let the good people at home know they're able to follow you on social media and just what you're all doing in general. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore Radowitz. That's R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. I'm writing for FBR and also have my Monday through Friday show from 2.30 to 3.30 Eastern Standard Time, the FBR YouTube page. We're doing all MLB games, all analysis for all the games and giving out official bets and whatnot. And it's growing and growing every single day, which is really awesome. Kind of my highlight of the day. I love talking baseball and it's a great time. We have a ton of support in the chat box, which is truly awesome. So that's where I spend most of my time, baseball and SBR, doing some KBO for my Patreon people and got another bet going this morning. So that'll be pretty interesting and really fun. Other than that, I'm just kind of taking it day by day, just the grind. It's baseball. It certainly is. And at the end of the year, that grind is all going to be worth it because it's going to result in a bunch of units and a bunch of money in your bankroll. And one of the best men at being able to help you maximize that, that would be Jason. So big thanks to Jason Reidowitz for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Now part of a book of sports and coming up next. It is that time of the podcast. I give you a signed turtle on every game on the Las Vegas betting board for this Thursday as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, now part of Book It Sports, Book It Sports, doing a tremendous job offering you an app that allows you to track all of your action, but more importantly than that, engage with other bettors in a fun, friendly environment. And they've teamed up with so many great podcasts to be able to give you exactly what you're looking for to be able to gain sports knowledge. You've got this podcast, obviously, the Baseball Betting Podcast, and then you've got quite a few other specialty podcasts. In fact, the Highline with Tom Viola is one that looks at soccer betting. You've got my college basketball podcast, Hoopoo with Hoops, which continues on this offseason. I always say that bets are one during the regular season or actually one during the offseason. You've got Prop Doc with Olivia Moody. That's where you take a look at player props for the day, and she gives some plays there. Then you've got a couple more catch-all podcasts. The Parlay Cast with Jeff Parlson passing the spread 
covers a little bit of everything, and they all do so also well, just like the man that wound up joining me in the last segment, Jason Radowitz. So big thanks to him. And now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board for this Thursday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do not think changes are made to these plays. We'll be listed up on my Twitter feed at JaronScorty1 as per usual. We are going to be going in Las Vegas station order. That is going to start with the National League games, then we go to the American League games, and then any interleague games, which we don't have any of those, but we are going to be having a double dip, it appears, between the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles, so buckle up for safety there. And we do begin with 9:51, 9:52 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies are in the road to face off against the New York Mets. Jacob DeGrom is going to be going for the Metropolitans. Meanwhile, Zach hopes to not be Eflin Awful goes for the Philadelphia Phillies and the Phillies. Sizable underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 188 and plus $2. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Mets, anywhere between minus 220 and minus 225 with your total at 7. With the 7 overs, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under anywhere between even a minus 105, seeing a 7.5 out there as well. That under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. And I actually do think that the Phillies might be a little bit undervalued here. I set the Mets at minus 193 in this spot because with DeGrom, no question. He has been tremendous this year, giving up one run in 14 innings, punching out 21, walking two. I mean, he's done his part, but no run support once again for Jacob DeGrom. I mean, it is just absolutely terrible at this point. Now, you do have Pete Alonso, who's been emerging a little bit more for this team. 333 on base, 231 batting average going into yesterday, but this is also a Mets team that they've been struggling with the long ball going into yesterday. They had just four home runs on the season, and this is a Mets team that they have a couple guys that are getting on base. Yeah, I do like what you're able to get out of Brandon Nimmo. He's been able to do a very solid job this season, but Don Smith has been a little bit hit or miss. Francisco Lindor has had a rough ride to begin the year along Jeff McNeil, Michael Conforto, even James McCann. So, got a lot of guys that are scuffling. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies, JT Ryu, Mito, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Felvin Salt in the middle of the lineup, Alec Bohm seems to be picking it up at Tad as well. You got Gene Segura in the infield, and when you take a look at the outfield, you do have Andrew McCutcheon and Roman Quinn that need to pick it up, but you just take a look at the Spence bullpen. Jurisic Familia is Spanish for blown save. He has been absolutely terrible. Miguel Castro along with Edward Diaz. These guys are a little bit intermiss. You wind up using up Trevor May a couple days ago. He has not necessarily been too terrific. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, while the bullpen is still not amazing, Hector Neris has been able to do his job for the most part this season, along with guys like Sam Coonrod, Connor Brogdon, even a guy like Jojo Romero has come in and he's been able to give this team some solid innings. So I actually do like the way that this sets up for the Philadelphia Phillies. I set the total at 6.6, so I certainly do see a little bit of a lower scoring game in this spot, so I'm going to be taking it under, especially with having no juice on that 7, but I do think that there's a little bit of value with the Phillies. I needed at least plus 195 to take this one seeing some plus $2 that appeals to me. So we're going to be taking the plus price here with the Phils, and we're going to be taking this little under as well. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing us the Miami Marlins. Trevor Rogers goes for the Marlins. Meanwhile, Ian Anderson is on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. Braves anywhere between minus 172 and minus 180 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Marlins, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 151 and plus 166. Your total on this game is ranging anywhere between 8 and 8.5 with the 8.5. The unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even and minus 110. Meanwhile, on the 8, the over is minus 120 and the under is even with the Atlanta Braves. Certainly has been an interesting year for the team to say the least. You've got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up a little bit with the bat, but it seems like they are starting to come around, and you've got one man in Ronald Acuna Jr. who's hitting above a 400 so far this season. He's been able to do a great job being able to generate some power. He has been nothing short of magnificent for this team. Then you take a look at Freddie Freeman. He's now been able to hit quite a few home runs. Problem for him has been batting average, more or less, but you still have quite a few guys that are still able to give you a little bit of something that I think are going to come around as well. You've got a guy like a Marcelo Zuna, Ozzy Albies, Dancy Swanson, Ender and Ciarte. All in below a 200 going into yesterday, but all these guys I know are capable a little bit of more. And then you've also got Travis Arno, who's been in the middle of the lineup. He's been solid. And then for the Miami Marlins, how about the Marte Parte? Starling Marte along with Asus Hagey are both hitting above a 300. Adam Duvall has been able to pick it up. He wound up having a couple home runs a few days ago, so he's been able to do a little bit of something. Miguel Rojas is a guy that hits just below 300. Corey Dickerson has been able to get on base, but when you take a look at this Marlins team as well, the bullpen isn't necessarily terrible. You've got guys like Adam Simber, John Curtis with two S's at the end of it, Yimi Garcia, but certainly doesn't blow you away. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. I really do like what you're able to get out of this bullpen. You 
you've got so many guys like an A.J. Minter, even someone like Grant Dayton who's able to come in, able to give you good innings. Tyler Mazek certainly comes to mind as well. Sean Newcomb is able to give you multiple innings, and I think that that's a big advantage. When I take a look at the money line, I was willing to lay up to minus 178 with the Braves, but more importantly than that, I was willing to lay a little bit of a number here on the run line, and I'm actually seeing the Braves anywhere between plus 110 and even as high as a plus 116. That very much does appeal to me. I do think that they are going to get to Trevor Rogers, someone who wound up having an absolutely terrific start his last time out, but still, you take a look at what he wound up doing last season, it was not necessarily too terrific for his career. He is someone that is issuing 19 walks over the course of 38 innings. The 55 punch outs are very nice, but he just winds up giving up some hard contact along the way as well. He had a 6-11 ERA last season, so that is something that is a little bit concerning to me. I do think that the inliner Braves and offense has been scuffling a little bit. Going to be able to pick it up here. Wound up setting the total at 8.9, so I'm going to wind up taking it over. And with this run line, I was willing to lay right around minus 110-ish with it, so we're going to be taking the run line here of the Bravos, and I'm going to be taking this total over as well. 955-956 on the betting board. It is the San Diego Padres, and they're going to be facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mitch Keller is going to be going for the Buccos. Meanwhile, Chris Paddock is on the bump for the San Diego Padres. Total in this game is 8.5 over and under anywhere between minus 105 minus 115. If you're looking at the Padres, anywhere between minus 173 and minus 180 is your price here. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Buccos, anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. And when it comes to Mitch Keller, he does a great job of being able to get some strikeouts and not giving up a lot of hits. Problem is, he's just a walks machine. It's been absolutely terrible. Now, in his last start, actually did a little bit of a better job of being able to tame that down, but still, five walks and eight innings so far this season. Last season, it was really atrocious as far as his career. He has 39 walks and 77 and two-thirds innings. That's not necessarily getting the job done. And then when you take a look at what you're able to get out of the flip side for Chris Paddock, it certainly has not been too terrific for him either. He's a guy that has been okay with being able to get swings and misses, but his walks per nine ever since he wound up entering the league has been going up and up and up. This is someone that has given up 37 home runs in 207 career innings, and you take a look at it so far this year, he's yet to complete five innings, so that's a little bit of an issue with the Padres. This is a lineup that has been scuffling a little bit. Without Fernando Tatis Jr. out there, they have not been able to get the big hits, and you do have a couple guys that do a great job of getting on base. Joe Cronenworth, Eric Cosmer, Trent Grisham, all guys hitting above a 300. Tommy Pham has been absolutely terrible, but you've got Jerickson Profar has done a solid job. Austin Kim, you got to feel like he's going to be able to pick it up along with guys like Victor Garantini and company. And for the Padres, one of the best bullpen ERAs that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. Mark Melanson has been lights out for this team. They've now got Pierce Johnson back. You've got even a guy like Emilio Pagan and Drew Pomerantz that you're able to rely upon. But for the Pirates, I will say, bullpen has not necessarily been overly bad for this team. You've got someone in Sam Howard that I do like for this team. They've been able to get Dwayne Underwood Jr. some solid innings. He's been able to come in. He's been able to hold down the fort for this team. Heck, you even take a look at some of these other guys like Kyle Crick and Richard Rodriguez. They've been able to come in. They've yet to give up any earned runs, so that has been pretty rock solid. And then when it comes to the lineup of the Pirates, certainly has not been great, especially with Cabrian Ace currently out of the fold. You've got Mr. Dustin Fowler along with Gregory Palunco hitting below the Mendoza line, but Adam Frazier, Philip Evans, Brian Reynolds at the top lineup. These guys all have an on-base percentage of a 375 or higher along Colin Moran, so they've been able to do their part. And when you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates in general, I do think that you're going to be able to get a little bit of something out of this lineup. Now, I do think that the Pirates are going to be able to get online as well, so this is a total that I wound up setting at 9.5, so I am all aboard the over in this spot. And with the Pittsburgh Pirates, I need probably more like a plus 178-ish to be able to consider them just because with the Padres, they do have such a good bullpen, and with Keller, I just fear that he's going to be out of the game before the fifth inning, and when it comes to the run line in this spot, I'm seeing it right around minus 105 to minus 110. That does appeal to me a little bit. I was willing to lay up to minus 117, so we're going to be taking the run line here of the San Diego Padres, laying on the run and half, and I'm going to be taking this total over as well. 957-958 on the bang board. The Arizona and the Diamondbacks are going to be in the red face off against Washington Nationals. Patrick Corbin is going to be going for the Nats. Meanwhile, Merrill Kelly is on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks finding themselves underdogs in this spot. They are anywhere between plus 143 and plus 155. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it here with the Nats, anywhere between 162 and minus 171. Your total on this game is 9 over is anywhere between minus 110 and even. And if you're looking at the under, that's anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Seeing straight 8.5 out there as well. Over as just a minus 120 and the under is even. And with Merrill Kelly, he was actually very good last season. He wound up going 5 plus innings in every one of his starts. So far this year, he's come off of an injury 
injury, and he hasn't necessarily looked like himself. We have noticed this with Merrill Kelly being a little bit hit or miss as in two starts so far this season, he's won 10 innings, he's given up a pair of home runs, he's got an 810 ERA. Meanwhile, for Patrick Corbin, first start of the season, he wound up getting roughed up. He wound up giving up six runs over the course of four and a third innings, but keep in mind that was against the LA Dodgers. He was just coming off the injured list as well, so you got to figure that he is going to be a little bit more well-rounded in this game. And with the Washington Nationals, they have been able to beef up that bullpen a little bit more. You've got Brad Hand now in the bullpen. That is someone that I do like. Now, Wander, I swear oh, this guy sucks. Well, there's a reason why he's called Wander. I swear oh, this guy sucks. But you have been able to get a couple other guys that have been able to get going, like a Kyle Finnegan is someone that's solid, along with Danny Hudson. And then you've been able to get back some of your other pieces as well. Josh Bell, along Josh Harrison, are back from COVID-19 protocol. Trainer turned out for what is someone that has been able to do a good job year in and year out of being able to get stolen bases, wound up leading the league in that category a few years ago. Now Kyle Schwarber, Juan Soto, Victor Robles out there in the outfield. Very solid, especially Soto. And then when you take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks, this is a team that they are going to be without the Marte Parte of Quitello Marte, but Eduardo Escobar has been able to pick it up recently. Only getting a 222 for the year, but now has four home runs. David Peralta, Tim LeCastro out there in the outfield. They've been a little bit shaky. LeCastro hitting now 270. He's been able to pick it up, but Peralta has been on tough times along with Christian Walker, but Ezrubo Cabrera has been a nice stabilizing force for this team along with Carson Kelly. And then when you take a look at the Diamondbacks bullpen, it's not necessarily terrible. It's not necessarily great. Juan Lopez along with someone like an Alex Young, Kevin Ginkle. These guys are able to give you a little bit of something with Ginkle, multiple innings, but I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a tough spot here for the Arizona Diamondbacks to be able to win the game outright. I need to get at least plus 155 on them. It's just a little bit too low at this point, and when you take a look at the run line on this game, I'm seeing it right in the neighborhood of plus 120 with the Washington Nationals. As long as I was getting at least plus 115, I was willing to take a shot, and I certainly have that, so I'm going to be taking the run and half and laying it with the Washington Nationals, and with this total, I wound up setting it more in the realm of eight and a half so seeing the nines out there that is appealing to me for the under so we're going to be taking this total under and i'm going to be laying the run and a half here with the washington nationals 959 960 on the bang board the la dodgers are going to be playing us the colorado rockies Austin Gomber is going to be going for the Rockies. Meanwhile, Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers. Dodgers are finding themselves as significant favorites in this spot. Hey, we're between minus 285 and minus 305. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Colorado Rockies is anywhere between plus 245, seeing as plus 265 in your total, ranging between 7.5 and 8 on the 7.5. Overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even a minus 105 on the 8. Under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, and the same goes for the over. With Gomber, he wound up blocking a bunch of guys in his first start of the season, and that's why he's been a little bit of an issue with him, but he does a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Lifetime ERA that hovers right around three, so he's actually been able to do a good job whenever he's been given opportunities. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Urias, despite the fact that one of his starts came in course so far this season, 12 and a third innings, has only given up one walk and one home run. Command has been impeccable with them. Now, the Dodgers are dealing with a couple injuries, but despite the fact that you don't have Cody Bellinger out there, you still have Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Max Muncie, along with Zach McKinstry. All guys hitting a 300 or higher for this team, along with Mookie Betts, Gavin Lux. you got to feel like he's going to be able to pick it up. You've got Austin Barnes and Will Smith at the country spot. Both of these guys have been tremendous. And then you take a look at the Colorado Rockies. Not a lot of power with this team. Ryan McMahon has five home runs, and then past that, you've got Sam Milliard and Dom Nunez with five home runs, and really nobody else has been able to give you anything. Trevor Story, as many home runs as myself. Remy Otapi has a home run. Both of these guys hitting right around a 260 to a 270, but you haven't been able to get CJ Krohn going. He's hitting a buck 38. Sam Milliard, his batting average has been lacking as well. Garrett Hampson has been intermiss. With the Colorado Rockies, I actually do like this bullpen. You have been able to get something out of a guy like a Tyler Kinley. Michael Givens is someone that has been giving the team a couple solid innings, and then Carlos Estevez is someone that I feel like is a little bit trustworthy in there for the Dodgers. You've got a bunch of guys that used to be starters that have been converted into relievers, and they have been absolutely tremendous. You've got someone like David Price, who's able to give you solid innings. Jimmy Nelson has been able to come in, and he's been able to do solid work. Heck, when you take a look at guys like Victor Gonzalez being able to give you solid innings, it really speaks to the depth of the LA Dodgers. Now, in this spot, I do feel like we maybe went a little bit too far. I was willing to take the Colorado Rockies as long as you were getting right around plus 235, 
Seeing this as a plus 265 in some spots, that does appeal to me. And with the total, I set it at 8.2. I do think that the Rockies are now going to be able to get a little bit of offense generated. They've been away from Coors Field for a, a few days. That's a very difficult adjustment to wind up making. So I actually do think that later on in the series is where you're able to target the Colorado Rockies a little bit more. So I'm going to be taking this total over, and I'm going to be taking the Rockies in this spot. All right, unfortunately, this is a little bit of a weird one, but we've got 961-962, which is also going to be in conjecture with 973-974. Seattle Mariners and Baltimore Orioles doubleheader. They're going to be playing a pair of seven-inning twin bills, and depending on where you look, this is going to be one that has a wide variety of pitching matchups. As I'm currently seeing it on ESPN, you've got Marco Gonzalez against Bruce Zimmerman in one game, and then in the other game, it is to be determined. If you take a look on MLB.com, you've got Bruce Zimmerman and Justin Dunn who are going to be going at it in one game, and then in the other game, it's Matt Harvey going up against Marco Gonzalez, so... I mean, this is going to be a really sticky situation. I can tell you right now, I'm probably going to be making the Seattle Mariners a favorite in both of these games. And in both games, regardless of the pitching matchup, I'm probably going to be making it to where 7 or less is going to be a take on the over. 7.5 or higher is going to be a take on the under, unless if we wind up getting Justin Dunn against Matt Harvey. Then I'd probably be making it to where 7.5 would be a take on the over. That's where I'm at right now. So if it sounds messy, it's because it is, but... But that's a reason why I'm going to be taking a look at the uh, Seattle Mariners in both of these games is, for one, I just think that you've got a little bit more consistency with the lineup in general. I do like the fact that you've been able to get Mitch Hanniger back in the lineup. He's hitting a 311. Ty France has been hitting a 293 with an on-base above a 400. Kyle Seager has been able to get up and running recently. And with Hanniger, France, and Seager, all two home runs so far this year, heck, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Taylor Trammell, not a guy that I've necessarily been high on, and he is hitting below the Mendoza line, but he has been able to give you a pair of home runs He's looked a little bit better recently. And for the Orioles, you've right now got one guy that's hitting above a 250 for this team. Cedric Mullins, who's been terrific. 442 batting average, 510 on base. And that is great. You've got Anthony Santander, Trey Boomo, Mancini, both guys with a pair of home runs so far this season. But outside of Cedric Mullins, Right now, DJ Stewart and his 12 at-bats with a 250 batting average is your next best hitter. They're getting on base at a 295 clip, which means that you got a lot of guys that are hovering right around that like 230 range, like a Ryan Mountcastle. Pedro Severino's more around 240, but he hasn't necessarily been appearing in all these games as well, so that leaves you in a little bit of a horse apiece situation. When you take a look at both starters, they're going to be going out there for the Orioles. Bruce Zimmerman has been able to give you a little bit of something. 450 ERA. I've been pleasantly surprised by him. He's won six innings to give up three runs in both of his starts so far this season. Meanwhile, you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Matt Harvey. He wound up having a north of 10 ERA last season, and this season has been a little bit better, but he still is prone to giving up the long ball. He gave one up against the Boston Red Sox. I just don't trust in him whatsoever. He's given up a combined 13 hits over the course of nine and two-thirds innings. And then you take a look at Mr. Gator Dunn, Justin Dunn. He has been giving up way too many walks, but he is someone that has good swing and miss stuff. I do like his overall upside, and I do think that he's going to be to deliver a good start. Meanwhile, Marco Gonzalez wound up walking about one guy per nine innings last season. So far this year, five walks in ten and a third innings. I think that that's going to iron out. He right now is an ERA Marco Gonzalez says of a 10.45. I think that this is going to be a little bit of a get-right spot. Wound up giving up a combined five home runs as he wound up giving up two of those in a little bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark in Minnesota. So that's why I'm going to be projecting what I am right now with the Seattle Mariners. I do think that their bullpen is a little bit underrated. Keenan Middleton along with Rafael Montero, Casey Sadler. All these guys are pretty solid in. For the Orioles, I will say Tanner Scott is able to give you a little bit of something. I like his upside. Not having Cole Solzer has been hurting the team a little bit, but you do take a look at someone that is able to come in like a Cesar Valdez. He has been able to do a nice job so far, but you do have a couple of fades in this bullpen as well. You've been able to get absolutely nothing whatsoever out of Sean Armstrong. Every time he goes into the game, it's been a little bit of a disaster to say the least. Max Kohler, I believe, has been released. Either that or he's on the injured list, but you're not going to have him available as well. So that's a little bit of an issue. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Tyler Wells, but in this spot, probably going to be taking a look at the Seattle Mariners as a favorite in both of these games. And like I said, looking at a pair of seven totals, unless if you wind up getting Harvey versus Dunn, then I'm going to be looking at it a little bit higher. But check back in the morning my Twitter feed at Jaren's41 since lots of moving parts with this as of now. 963, 964 on the betting board. 
the Boston Red Sox are on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins. Michael Pineda hopes to not be Michael Pineda for the Minnesota Twins. Meanwhile, Garrett Richards is on the boat for the Boston Red Sox. Total on this game is 8.5. Over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 105. If you're taking a look at the Twins, sizable favorites in this spot. Anywhere between minus 150 and minus 167. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Red Sox. Anywhere between plus 137, seeing as I a plus 146. And with Garrett Richards, he got off to a very bad start to the year. Wound up giving up, I believe it was seven runs in his first start. But I like what I saw out of him last season while he was with the San Diego Padres. And he has been able to do a rock-solid job ever since then. He's currently got six strikeouts to five walks so far this season. Meanwhile, you take a look at Pineda. 164 ERA across two he has been absolutely superb. Now, he has given up two home runs, but you even take a look at what he was able to do last season after he wound up coming off of a little bit of an injury. And he was very solid. 338 ERA across five stars. He has been very solid whenever he's been at home for Minnesota as well. And then with the Twins, this bullpen has been a little bit at or miss. We saw some shakiness with it yesterday, no question. That was a little bit of an issue as you're probably going to need to rely upon someone like Cody Sashek to be able to give you some innings. And for the Boston Red Sox, I will say, this is a team that they were able to get some very good pitch yesterday. You're probably going to have Phillips Valdez available out of the bullpen for this team, but there's still a little bit of question mark to this team now. I will say for the Boston Red Sox, you got quite a few guys that are putting bat to ball right now. Rafael Devers has been with quite a few home runs for this team. Xander Bogarts along J.D. Martinez, both inning above a 300 along Christian Vasquez. Marwin Gonzalez has been a little bit hermes, but you've even got a guy like Alex Verdugo starting to pick it up. Then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins. Nelson Cruz is doing his part. 438 batting average. He's got a quite a few home runs. Josh Donaldson is out back as well. That'll be able to help out the team with Luis Arias. Does a nice job of being able to reach base, but Miguel Sano, Max Kepler, Jake Cave, even Mitch Garver. All these guys are hitting a 205 or lower. It certainly is killing this team. I do think that the bats are going to be able to get online in this spot, though, just because I do think that even though Garrett Richards is a solid starting pitcher, I do think that the Twins are going to be able to hammer him, and then they get into a bullpen that has been used up quite a bit. I wound up saying this total at 8.6 personally, so I'm going to wind up taking the over at minus 115 juice, and in this spot, I wound up making the Minnesota Twins a minus 166 favorite. And if you take a look at the run line right now, I am seeing that at as high as plus 130. That does appeal to me. So we're going to take the plus 130 on Lang a run and half with the Minnesota Twins and I am going to be taking the over in this spot as well. 965-966 on the betting board. You've got the Cleveland Indians in the road face off against the Chicago White Sox. Lance Lynn goes for the Sox. Meanwhile, Aaron Zavalli is going to be going for the Indians and this is the New York Post play of the day as we're finding the total anywhere between 7.5 and 8. On the 8, under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. On the 7.5, over is juice anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. With the Indians, going to be finding them as underdogs anywhere between plus 110 and plus 123. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Sox, anywhere between minus 126 and minus 141. And when you take a look at Lance Lynn, he has been nothing short of terrific ever since coming over to the White Sox. And really, the last couple years in general, has been one of the best innings eaters in the league. And when you're giving up zero earned runs, two unearned runs, and two starts, you are doing something right for Savali. This is someone that he does a good job of being able to keep the ball down. He has given up three home runs so far this season, but you take a look at him for his career. He's given up right around 1.3-ish home runs per nine innings, but the walks have been tremendous. Right around 2.2 walks per nine innings is what he's giving up. Not necessarily the hardest tosser in the world, but does a good job of being able to pick his spots. He's backed up by a bullpen that has been absolutely supreme for the Indians as well. Entered in yesterday in the top five in the league, James Karen has been terrific. Phil Mayton has been able to do his job. Even a guy like Nick Wicker and that has had his massive issues so far this season. Got to feel like he's going to be able to pick it up. Meanwhile, for the White Sox, I do think that this is a bullpen that is also going to be able to come to the forefront as well. You did notice a few guys get off to rough starts like Matt Foster, Liam Hendricks. I think that they're going to be there when it's all said and done. Michael Kopech has been able to give you multiple innings along Karen Crochet. Aaron Bummer has been off to a little bit of a rough start as well, but I think that he's going to be able to pick it up. And then when you take a look at the White Sox, the hitting can be a little bit miss for this team. You remember Mercedes off to just an absolutely superb start to his career, but then you take a look at Yohan Mankata, Jose Abreu, along with Luis Robert, Zach Collins even, Lurie Garcia, as well as Andrew Vaughn, all these guys hitting a 200 or lower, so it certainly has not been going well for them. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Cleveland Indians, all of a sudden, Framir Reyes has been able to get the team four home runs, hitting nearly at 280. Amid Rosario, guys like Josh Naylor, Roberto Perez, Yu Chang, they've been terrific, but they're in between a 235 and a 240 in that pocket. Now you need to get a little bit more out of Cesar Hernandez hitting below a 200. Jose Ramirez has cooled down a little bit, but I do think that this is a Cleveland Indians team that they should be able to get some solid pitching in this one, and I do think that both of these teams legitimately are going to be on their A game with that regard, which is why 
why the New York Post of today is going to be this total under. I wound up setting this total personally right around a 6.8-ish, so I see a nice edge there. And when I take a look at this one, I think that the White Sox should be a little bit more of a sizable favorite. I do think that they're going to be able to get a home run or two off of Savali, and that will be the difference I want to setting them 143 personally. So we're going to be taking the money line here with the White Sox, and I'm going to be taking this total under as well. 967, 968 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing us to the Walker, Texas Rangers. Jordan Lyles is going to be going for the Rangers. Meanwhile, Rich Hill is on the bump for the Rays. Rays are finding themselves favorites anywhere between minus 167 and minus 182. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Rangers is anywhere between plus 148 and plus 156. Your total on this game anywhere between 8 and 8.5. On the 8, over and under are both at minus 110. On the 8.5, under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 110. With Rich Hill, this is someone that is very badly washed up. He is the oldest starting pitcher in the big leagues right now. You can tell that he's starting to give up a little bit too much hard contact. The command that was there a little bit younger in his career, it is currently not there. And then you take a look at the flip side and Jordan Lyles is a guy that is very fascinating as he wound up having a nice end to the 2020 season after it was disastrous all the way around. Had a good first start to the year and then he winds up giving up three runs and four and a third innings against the San Diego Padres. So he is just a little bit all over the place. Backed up by a bullpen that to call it bad would be very generous. You've got someone like Josh Shorbich who has not been able to give you a whole lot of something. Taylor Hearn has been looked to for long relief. He has not been able to get the job done. And then with the Tampa Bay Rays in general, this is a team that they have been able to get quite a bit of offense. I do like what you're getting out of Austin Meadows, the guy that has been able to give you a trio of home runs. He's not necessarily been able to hit for the world's greatest average, but at the same time, he's still doing a little bit of something. Someone like Joey Wendell has been able to get on base. You've got to feel like Brandon Lau is going to be able to pick it up with his batting average as well. And then you take a look at the Texas Rangers. You've got a lot of guys that have been seeing their batting averages tip a little bit. Joey Gallo has been really the main concept for this team, hitting above a 250. Adolius Garcia along with David Dell are both guys hitting below a 200. Whenever he's out there at the catcher's spot, Jose Trevino has been good for the team, but Leody Tavares hitting well below a 200. That is a massive issue. And for the race, bullpen has been off to a little bit of a shaky start, but you know that these guys are going to be able to pick it up year in and year out. They do a great job of being able to piecemeal together the pen. I think that Colin McHugh is able to be a good long guy. Hunter Strickland is able to throw gas. Jeffrey Springs, he actually used to play for the Rangers, so got a little bit of a revenge factor there. And Andrew Kittredge is someone I do like for this bunch. When I take a look at this, I wound up setting the race as a bottom Minus 154 favorite. The big reason being that I just don't trust Rich Hill as this sizable of a favorite. And with Jordan Lyles, he has shown a little bit of promise recently. So in this spot, I'm going to be actually taking the plus price here with the Texas Rangers. I'm seeing a couple plus 157s. We're going to go for that. With the total, I wound up setting it at 9. So seeing a 8 with minus 110 juice, that is very appealing to me, especially with Rich Hill not looking so great and an advanced age. So we're going to be taking this total over and I'm going to be taking the Rangers with the plus price. 969, 970 on the betting board. You've got a game that is currently off the board as the Toronto, a.k.a. Dunedin Blue Jays, hit the road to face off against Kansas City Royals. Jacob with a K. Junis is going to be going for the Royals. Meanwhile, it is good old to be determined who's going to be on the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays, which is why this game is presently off the board. What we do know is that the Blue Jays are dealing with a couple injuries. Hey, Oscar Hernandez has been a little bit banged up for the team. That has not necessarily been ideal. I know that Lords Guriel has really been banged up the last year or so in general. And then you do have quite a few guys guys that are currently dealing with injuries when it comes to the bullpen of this Toronto Blue Jays team. Julian Merriweather, David Phelps, and Tyler Chatwood are the most notable of them. Even Thomas Hatch is as well. And then when you take a look at the Blue Jays, it looked like they were probably going to be giving the start in this one to Steven Matz. And if they do wind up giving the start to Steven Matz, I'd be willing to make this team, the Blue Jays, right around a minus 125 favorite, and I was going to set the total at 9.2, so that's where I stand if it winds up being Steven Matz, but with the Blue Jays in general. Lineup has been relatively solid. Marcus Simeon, not necessarily hitting for average, but he has been able to give the team four home runs. Boba Shett, four bombs, hitting above a 300. Randall Gritchick, Flagero Jr., hitting well above a 300 as well. Now, Kevon Vigio, along with Guriel, Low, Rowdy Tellez and Danny Jansen are all guys are well below at 200. So you got a little bit of hit or missness with this team. And then when you take a look at the Kansas City Royals, Whit Merrifield, one of the most all-around best players in the league. He's a guy that's able to hit for 300. He's able to hit for 30-plus home runs if you really needed him to. He is that sort of special. Andrew Benatendi has been a little bit hit or miss so far this season, hitting at 225. But you got Salvador Perez, who's been able to hit above a 300. you got Ordey Soler, who needs to pick it up along with Carlos Santana and Gerard Dyson. 
all guys hitting 200 or lower, but I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up. Hunter Dozier, a little bit useless in his advanced stage, but I do think that he's going to be able to come out. He's going to be solid. And for the Kansas City Royals, this is a team that their bullpen has been solid. You have a guy in Josh Chamount who has been able to do a really good job for this team. Now, Irvin Santana is back on the roster for this team. That's not necessarily too terrific, but Greg Holland, Wade Davis, even a guy like a Scott Barlow, these are reclamation projects. And I do think that they're going to be able to pan out. Meanwhile, for the Blue Jays, despite their injuries, I do like what you're able to get out of Rafael Dolis. Tim Mazza has been able to be solved for the team. Jordan Romano as well. So, you've got a lot of positive attributes with this team. Like I said, if it's Steven Matz, I'd be willing to make the Blue Jays minus 125 favorite. I make this total 9.2, but that's where I stand. With that regard, we need to check back with who the Blue Jays are going to be starting because it could be someone like a Tommy Malone, and that would change things drastically. Just so check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at JaronScore1 once a starter is zone. And we do wrap things up with 971, 972 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigres are going to be on the road, and they're going to be facing off against the Oakland Athletics. Chaminea is going to be going for the A's. Meanwhile, Tyreek Skubal is on the bump for the Tigers. Tigers are finding themselves as underdogs here of anywhere between plus 140 and plus 145. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the A's, that is anywhere between minus 155 and minus 167. Your total is 8.5 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. This is a Tigers team that's actually coming in really, really hot, but you take a look at what you're going to be able to get on the flip side for the A's. This is a team that's well-rested. They themselves have been able to win four games in a row, so these are two teams that started out the year as teams that maybe you didn't want to be betting on so much, and now they are being able to reach your peak, but now with Scooble, you do have a lot of question marks with him. This is someone that has been able to begin his career a little bit up and down. 771 ERA so far this season in nine and a third innings. Has given up three home runs, no question. That's not necessarily too terrific if you combine this year and last year. He has been a guy that has walked a couple too many guys. His walks per nine rate is right around a three and a half. He has also given up 12 home runs in 41 and a third innings, but 44 punch outs as well. It seems like he either puts it all together or gives you absolutely nothing. Then with Sean Manea, he has honestly been himself the last couple years last season, wound up posting up a 450 ERA, but K to walk rate north of five, so that was absolutely tremendous. But when you take a look at the Oakland A's lineup, you know that they're never going to hit for a ton of average. 211 for the season, that's going to go up a little bit, but this is a team that they really rely upon the three run homer. You've got Mitch Moreland along with Elvis Andrews, Matt Chapman, all hitting a 200 or lower, Matt Olson, more like a 226. Now, you do have guys that get on base. Jed Lowry, along with Ramon Laureano and Marcana, all 375 or higher, but what has been the difference maker for this team has been getting a couple guys that have been able to give you multiple home runs so far this season, like Jed Lowry, like Canna, like Matt Chapman, so that has really been able to help this team out. And then you take a look at the Detroit Tigers. How about what Akil Badu has been able to do? It has been absolutely tremendous to watch this guy flourish so far this season. A walk-off hit, four home runs, hitting well above a 300. Jameer Kendallari and Wilson Ramos have both been able to hit right in the neighborhood about a 300 themselves. Now you've got a couple guys that they need to pick it up. You've got Noah Mazzari, Nato Nunez hitting between a 230 and 240. Jonathan Scope along Deco Goodrum and Robbie Grossman. Trio of veterans. They're hitting in the neighborhood about a 220-ish. And with the Detroit Tigers, this is a bullpen that is far from terrific. Buck Farmer is someone that I don't necessarily trust in. Brian Garcia has had his ups and downs. You have been able to get a little bit of something out of OCC Cerno, but with that said, when you take a look at the Oakland A's, even though they did wind up having a rough start to the year, I still do have a little bit of faith in Yasmero Petit. I do think that they're going to be able to get some solid innings out of J.B. Wendelkin and Lou Trevino as well. Now, Submergio Romo along Jordan Weems. These guys can be a little bit of a roll of the dice. So in this spot, I do feel like the Oakland A's are justified in being a rather sizable favorite. I want to making the Oakland A's personally in this one just because of Terry Skubal and his just inconsistency, a minus 178 favorite. So that's where I stand there. And if you take a look at the run line on this game, you are able to get a little bit of a plus price here as high as a plus 129 at Circa. I'm mostly seeing plus 120s, but that does appeal to me. I was thinking anything above a plus 120 would be a take on the Oakland A's. So this is going to be a take here. I wound up saying this total at 8.1. Now, Oakland does play vastly different day to night because you do have the marine layer that's going to be out, but I do think that both of these pitchers are going to be able to limit the hard contact. I like the way that Chaminea is pitching, and with Tariq Skubal, I do think that he's going to be able to keep the ball down a little bit more just because the Oakland A's in general don't necessarily put a bunch of men on base. So I'm going to be taking this total under, and I'm going to be taking the run line here with the Oakland A's, and that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this wonderful Thursday. A big thanks to Jason Riderwood of SBR, aka Sportsbook Review, for joining me in the last segment, if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. you got one of two ways to be able to fire questions if you have them for this podcast. My Twitter timeline, at yours 41 keep in mind the letter ZM, they mean does not matter, otherwise I had an Apple Podcast review if you rate this podcast five stars. It is very much appreciated.
appreciate it. And then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you, into there as well. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. I will be coming at you guys every single day in which we've got baseball this season, so be on the lookout for that, and hopefully you'll be able to join me once again tomorrow. Always appreciate the interaction. Thank you so much for tuning in. 